good morning <laughs> or good evening, uh, good overnight, uh, whenever you happen to be listening to this program. This is Sunshine USA, and I'm Warren Landis, the host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, it is once again a great joy for me to welcome you uh, to this uh, particular broadcast. Uh, as you know, we're dedicated uh, to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ on this program and also teaching the Bible. When I started this program back in 2012, I was just astonished at the lack of biblical literacy. Even in our mainline churches, it seems that uh, so many people were not really being given a lot of in-depth Bible teaching, and so their knowledge of the Bible was lacking. And so I decided it was important for me to dedicate the rest of my life at that point, to trying to improve biblical literacy. And uh, that's how this program got started. Now, at the present time, we're doing a series uh, of Bible studies in the book of Daniel. This is all part of our desire to study our way completely through the Bible from the first chapter in Genesis to the last chapter in Revelation. And um, the thing that's so interesting here is the fact that we have been at this now for a long time, certainly longer than a year. You know, this time of year, <laughs> a lot of people talk about reading the Bible through in a year. And usually this is the time of the year that I always emphasize. I'm not necessarily endorsing the idea of reading the Bible through in a year. But I do think reading and studying the Bible is something we should do every day. But maybe it should take us longer than a year to read the Bible. Uh, my position is if you read the Bible through in a year, you're really not able to focus too much on what the Bible has to say because you're trying to speed read your way through the Bible. And I just don't think that's the best way to study the Bible. And uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee, back years ago, during his ministry, uh, he had a program of teaching through the Bible in five years. Now, I think taking five years to go through the Bible is a much more realistic approach than reading the Bible through in a year. And that gives you time to really focus and dwell on what you're reading at the time. Because otherwise, you're, you're trying to cover so much material so fast, there's just no way you can really take it all in. And that's my position on that. I'd rather you read one chapter a day and really take it in than to read five or six chapters a day and not really know what you're reading. Uh, and by the way, that's what you would have to read if you're going to have any chance at all of reading the Bible through in a year. You're going to have to read at least five or six chapters a day, sometimes seven chapters a day. And I don't I think I have to tell you how time-consuming that would be, and, and I don't think I would have to tell you how hard it would be for you to do that every day. I mean, there might be some days where you could read five or six chapters, and no problem, but other days, you know, you just wouldn't be able to do it. And that would mean that if you went one day without reading the Bible, the next day you would have to cover something like 10 or 12 chapters, and that just doesn't 
really sound as feasible. And you get two days behind, and you, you see where this is going. Uh, I would say focus on what you're reading and what you're reading is telling you as opposed to trying to speed read your way through the Bible in the course of a year. Well, today we're in chapter 5. Last time we read about the fiery furnace, and it seems that the fiery furnace caused King Nebuchadnezzar to have uh, something of a crude awakening. <laughs> you know, um, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, one of these people who um, was um, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was one of these people who uh, really had a problem with pride. You know, that's why he had, you know, built statues to himself, a, a statue to himself, and he wanted everybody to worship him. He was filled with pride. And, uh, and even when he has this so-called spiritual awakening, we find that even then he goes through the motions of boasting how great God is, but he's really drawing attention to himself. You know, and as, as I said when we were in the last chapter, you know, a lot of times people even today, when they go to church, they don't go to church to worship the Lord. Oh, I mean, they, they appear to be singing and they listen as the sermon is being preached by the pastor, but they are there to be seen. They are putting on a show. They're not there to really and truly worship God. And that's the kind of problem Nebuchadnezzar had with pride. And we see where God had to humble Nebuchadnezzar, which he did in the last chapter. And by the time we get to chapter 5, we see where Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, has taken over the throne. And so God has truly brought about a fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, we, uh, we are told in the last chapter that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom would survive, but yet Nebuchadnezzar himself would be humbled. But his kingdom survives in that his uh, son uh, takes over and his son becomes the new king. But now his son was a very ungodly king, a very wicked king, and any spiritual awakening that Nebuchadnezzar had, he certainly didn't pass it on to his son <laughs> because his son was just as wild as ever. And we read in chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princesses and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple, out of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princesses and wives and concubines drank in them. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass, of iron and of wood and stone. In the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand, 
and wrote against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote against one another. Now, I want to stop here in verse 6 for just a moment. Uh, King Belshazzar here is putting on a party, and all these people throughout the kingdom that are attending this party, they are apparently getting drunk, stoned out of their mind, (laughs) and even when the fingers of a man's hand is writing on the wall, you know, they're probably thinking to themselves, boy, I tell you, (laughs) this Belshazzar, boy, he knows how to put on a party, doesn't he? (laughs) He knows how to pull out all the stops and really put on a great party. Now, the thing about it is, at this point, Belshazzar is no longer having a party because he doesn't know where this hand came from. And the message on the wall, he has no idea what it's saying. And so he is obviously a king who is filled with fear. Now, we see here where Belshazzar is uh, in a situation where he's putting on this party and he's using the vessels that came out of the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, so he's basically taking the things of God and using them for a drunken purpose. In other words, this shows he clearly has no respect whatsoever for the things of God. You know, they're just putting on this wild party. So let's see what happens next. Then the king cried about aloud to bring the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. And then the king, then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now, you know, it's interesting here. <laughs> At this point, even the king's staff is beginning to realize, hey, something's wrong here. King Belshazzar is obviously upset and troubled about something. We don't know what it is, but he's troubled about something. So he calls in his astrologers and his uh, wise men, so to speak, and they have no idea what all this means. You know? (laughs) So it's interesting that in many ways, Belshazzar was a lot like his father. He calls all these magicians and wise men and sorcerers, but he doesn't call on God. Obviously, God means nothing to him. I mean, he clearly would not have done the things he's done at this party if he had any respect at all for God. Now, it says in verse 10, Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and the Lord and his lords, 
came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom, your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Now, of course, she doesn't realize even herself that what Daniel has is not the spirit of the gods with the little g. Daniel has the spirit of God with the capital G. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, the father made master of magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding, interpretation of dreams, and showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So we see here in verse 12 that the queen apparently had heard of Daniel and how Daniel was used to reveal to Nebuchadnezzar a lot of the troubling dreams that he had and some of the things he couldn't figure out. Daniel always had a solution. And so the queen was saying, King this is the guy you need to be calling. You need to call Daniel. And so we see in verse 13, Then was Daniel brought before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom thy king, my father, brought out of jewelry? I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing, and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with starlet and with a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to yet another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. In other words, uh, Daniel <laughs> wants it to be known to the king. I'm not interested in anything you have to give me. I'm not interested in any promotion you have in store for me, but I will gladly provide for you the interpretation. Now, what Daniel is doing here is making sure that the king understands there's no alternative, ulterior motive here. There's no axe for him to grind. He's not trying to get a promotion. He's not trying to save his hide. But he is interested in giving the king an honest interpretation as to what the handwriting on the wall says. He says, O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom 
and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all the people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew and whom he uh, kept alive, and whom he would set up and whom he would put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingdom, kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. And they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou, his son Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this. In other words, you knew all that your father went through, and how that your father obviously had some kind of spiritual awakening but yet you ignored all this but has lifted up my, thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass iron wood and stone which see not nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all the ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing, and this was the writing that was written, Mini, Mini, Tekel, Ufarsin. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Many God hath numbered thy kingdom, and finished it. Tackle thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Verse 29, Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldean slain, and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. In other words, Darius was 62 years old, and he becomes the new king. And so the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar uh presided over, is brought to an end during the reign of his son, Belshazzar, and now King Darius takes over. Now, I guess to his credit, Belshazzar did do for Daniel what he said he would do. Basically, he makes Daniel the third ruler in all the land. And so we have to understand that Belshazzar did follow through on his promise. But also, the interpretation came true in that indeed the kingdom 
that Belshazzar presided over, it came to a crashing end. It came to an end, and it came uh, not just to an end, but it came to, um, well, like I say, it came to an end. <laughs> and Daniel, obviously, is the victor here in that he rises to a position of great prominence. And I think we'll find out in the next chapter, chapter 6, that Darius is apparently fully aware of the amazing capabilities that Daniel has. And we'll see what becomes of that in the next chapter. But the whole point here is that you cannot take a stand against God the way Belshazzar did and expect to survive long. Your day is coming. A day of reckoning is coming. A lot of people, they enjoy sowing their wild oats, but they're not really paying attention to where all that leads. You know, <laughs> it leads to a place that you don't want to be. It's kind of like a man who's lazy and he's too lazy to work. You know, I, I had a, a lady call me up on the phone the other day and she wanted me to pray for her son because her son was just astonishingly lazy. I mean, he would not lift a finger that he didn't have to lift. I mean, he was so lazy he would turn on the sink, uh, you know, to brush his teeth, but he was too lazy to turn the sink off. And she would have to go behind him and turn the water off. That's how lazy he was. And she said, if you go into his bedroom, you know, it is piled high to the ceiling. All kinds of bottles and cans and trash and everything else. Too lazy to take out the trash. And when he was eating with silverware, he would just throw the silver, silverware away. Why? Because he was too lazy to wash it. Way too lazy. And so we see where Belshazzar is brought down in that he is killed. His kingdom comes to an end. In fact... <laughs> Apparently, the enemy was crossing into Belshazzar's kingdom even while the party was going on. Now, we have people today that reject God. They reject the things of God. But they don't know that one of these days, they're going to wish that they had made room in their life for God. You see, I firmly believe that there's only two places where you could spend eternity when you die. One place is called heaven, and the other place is called hell. And hell is going to be the home of anybody and everybody who rejects God. And it was true in Belshazzar's day, and it's true in our day. Now, it might be that you have spent all of your life up to this point throwing wild parties and having nothing to do with God. But where is all this leading you? I don't think it's leading you to where you want to be. If you want a home in heaven, I can't think of a better day than today to give your heart and your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
because he can give you eternal life, and he's the only one that can. Right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like Jesus Christ to come into your heart, all you have to do is pray this prayer or a prayer similar to it, and God will come into your heart and he will save you. He will change your life. He will point your life in a whole new direction. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I admit even at my best, I've blown it. And I'm so far from the person that you want me to be. But God, I pray that you will come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. And now, Lord, that I'm saved, help me to live for you and spend time every day reading and studying your word, the Bible. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, like I say, if you prayed that prayer or a prayer similar to it, let me tell you on the authority of God's word, God has given you new life. And that new life begins now. Now, true, one of these days we're going to move into heaven. I'm going to move into my heavenly mansion. And man, I tell you, I can hardly wait. But I want you to know that in the meantime, God has a wonderful new life for you. He has a plan for your life. And as you pray every day and read God's word every day, God will reveal to you what his plan for your life is. And I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me at warrenlandis at yahoo.com or warrenlandis at gmail.com and I'll be glad to rejoice with you over your decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And in the event that you uh, would like me to answer your Bible study questions or if you have prayer requests that you want me to pray about, then guess what? I'll be glad to do that as well. All you have to do is shoot me an email and I'll be glad to respond. Now, those of you that would love to communicate with me the old-fashioned way, by way of letter, you could do that too. My mailing address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, Thruston Street. Um... Apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And that's how you can write me a letter the old-fashioned way. And before you close the envelope, you might want to pray about whether the Lord would have you send a financial contribution to this ministry. Uh, I would love to expand this ministry. Uh, God's given me a vision for what he wants me to do both now and in the future with this ministry. But a lot of these are things that require a great deal of financial support from people like you. And so just pray about whether the Lord would have you give money to this ministry. And even if you don't have any money to give to the ministry, I would still nonetheless enjoy hearing from you and how God is doing great things in your life. If you have problems that you can't seem to work out, write to me, tell me about it. And after prayer, I'll be glad to give you the best advice I know how to give you. Well, I want to say that uh, time is pretty much over with for this particular broadcast. But I hope that you'll uh, remember that this is an ongoing program.
uh, almost every day I'm producing new uh, Bible study episodes as we dive deeper into our study of the Word of God. And be sure to tell your friends, neighbors, and co-workers about this broadcast, because if you enjoy this broadcast, there's a pretty good chance they're going to enjoy it as well. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.